Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Michelle Berkwitz, your host of Women Leading the Way, and we have a very special leading lady today and guest, and I'm delighted to say that we are um, recognizing and going to be hearing from uh, an award-winning woman leader. So I'm excited for Tanya Torres, who is our guest today. She's a financial advisor with Merrill Lynch, and she's all that. And um, Tanya just has come off of the year of 2020-21 of being recognized as one of our women's or the Women to Watch for the Year Award with our National Women of Influence Award. So Tanya, being the financial advisor with Merrill Lynch and award-winning woman, say hello to all of our listeners. I'm excited to have you. Hi, Michelle. Hi, everyone. I am super excited to be here. Uh, it's something that I've been looking forward to, to, to for a long time. So definitely, definitely very excited. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I, I say to you all the time, I hope you know how much I mean this, that I am just always impressed with you at your, you know, age of, of just ex- examples for other young leaders. I mean, you are, again, one of those people that I admire. So I'm just kind of like, you know, doing a love fest for Tanya today. I want all of our listeners to know. <laughs> <laughs> but that said, I mean, tell me, just talk to our listeners. Share a little bit about how, you know, just briefly, how long you've been at Merrill Lynch and what was the big reason to get in the financial services industry? I know there's always a story there for folks that get into that industry. Yeah, thank you, Michelle. So I have been at Merrill Lynch about five years now. My transition was very, very unique. I was actually a makeup artist for YSL Beauty. And to be honest, the reason that I left that job was because the money was just not working for me. I was struggling to make ends meet. I was working in a very, very luxurious area. I was working at in Century City at Bloomingdale's, and, even, and I was always looking at people with their luxurious bags and shopping on a <laughs> Tuesday and, you know, getting a makeover just because and splurging just because. And I was like, this is not. And meanwhile, I was working nights, working holidays, working weekends, just trying to, like I said, make ends meet. And I said, there has to be another way. There has to be other opportunities out there. I refuse to believe that that I have to slave away 80 hours a week just to make ends meet. I have a degree. I believe in myself. I know that I can make something else happen. So I started reading and started um, spending a lot of time on Indeed and on LinkedIn. And I read one book. It's Call it was called um, the richest man in Babylon, and that book just transformed mm. the way I thought about That's a good book. That it is, is such a good amazing book. I think every 
That's right. Let's tell every single listener to read that book. That is life-changing. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was like, that is a good book. So, yes. And once you read that book, what? How did it change you? And once, I, once I read this book, I said, okay, so this is, this is how it's done. Now, how do I get more savvy with money and how do I get more savvy with investing with my check? And then I realized, well, what if I make investing my check? So I started applying into, um, <laughs> you know, wealth management positions. And funny story was that when I first applied to Merrill Lynch, they accepted my application and I had to take um, some sort of quiz that was the first step. And if I passed the quiz, then I made it towards the next step. And I passed the quiz the first time, and I got another exam that I had to take, and I didn't pass the second exam. And I said, now what? And I had the HR representative, the recruiter, reach out to me and say, "Um, sorry, you didn't pass the second exam. Like, this is it. If you want to try again in six months, you can. Um, This is where you're your journey ends and I said what (laughs) and I kid you not Michelle I emailed her the next week and I said um, I still remember her name her name was Courtney and I said you will be hearing from me again in six months so please watch out for my application (laughs) so I started reading I read more finance books I read more investment books I did more research into the interview process for wealth management. Sure enough, at the six-month mark, I submitted my application, and I and I got through all of the stages of the interview. It was a very, very rigorous interview process. I did three okay. in-person interviews. Three in-person interviews, with the last one being um, me presenting a business plan to the executives of the market, which at, at the time I had no idea were the executives of the market. I just thought they were in charge of... <laughs> recruiting and, and accepting applications. So come to find out when I started, I was like, oh, I presented to all of you guys. So that's kind wow. of how I made the move. It was just, you know, I, my, I felt like my back was against the wall and I didn't want to kind of mope around and live that life where I'm scraping nickels and dimes. And I thought, no, there has to be another way. And that's kind of how I ended up at Merrill. I love that. You know, I mean, this is, I think, good for our listeners because this does set you apart of who you are. You know, some people in that situation, Tanya, would be, oh, well, this is just, you know, this is where I'm stuck. This is my, you know, I don't mean this as bad, but my lot in life, right, didn't change. Mm -hmm. Like, where did you, where do you feel came your you know, your propensity to just say, I'm going to, I'm going to act on this. Like so many people just feel like they get, they get stuck in where they're at and there are opportunities. I'm like you, like I was very young when I started my first small business and I'd gone through five mergers and acquisitions in commercial banking. I just said, Oh my God, I go, this is not what I want to do with my life. Right. Young 29. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I said, I can't do this anymore. So I started researching, you know, something similar uh, in the financial industry for banking, right. For writing business plans. But there's just, Mm -hmm. I think there's something about the propensity to act that not everybody thinks they can find that. Like, what was that for you? Just, you didn't, you didn't want to have what if. It's like, what can you share as the reason why you just said, oh, I'm going to change this because I love that. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of that came internally from me. Uh, Michelle, you always say that I have, I'm such an old soul and mature for my <laughs> age. And I, a large part of that is because I, I've been through a lot in life. Um, you know, with I was in a car accident and I was hit by a drunk driver. I had a very, very small percentage of surviving. And 
even though I did survive, it was a very, very excruciating recovery process. And I pretty much lost it all, you know, physically, emotionally, I had to withdraw from school. So me thinking back at moments like that, where I was laying in a hospital bed, and I all I wanted was just to be able to walk, really always Mm-hmm. put things in perspective for me like remember Tanya when you were back there and all you wanted was to walk now you can walk wherever you want so you better get your ass out of this rut that you're in because it could be a lot worse and for a lot of people it is a lot worse and sometimes we just need that perspective uh, you know another thing for me was uh, my dad passed away and my mom yeah. kind of depended on me financially to kind of make ends meet within her house so I didn't really have a choice I didn't really have a plan B I had to get it together and I think um, you know besides that I've just always been the type of person that like wants more like if somebody can have live this luxurious life or have this or have that why can't I we live in the same state we we're, we're we're in the same society so clearly there's opportunities there that they've taken advantage of. So I need to go knocking around for my own opportunities. Absolutely. God, that was great. And, I, and I'm going to say, just <clears throat> for our listeners who want to know more about you, um, we have a fabulous Sue talk that you did for us a couple <laughs> years ago that, you know, pre-COVID, right, or during COVID. Oh, my God, that's right. You're yes. during COVID <laughs> for us. And it was virtually broadcast. But for any of our listeners, if you want to check out our YouTube channel for Sue Talks, um, look up Tanya Torres, and she's got her fabulous TikTok that talks in a lot more detail about her journey. And, you know, you're right. Like, life experiences happen, you know, to us, and I think it's our reaction to that. You know, I wish, I almost wish, and I don't know if there is, but, you know, because I don't have kids, but I wish there would have been, you know, better schools or education that, you know, no matter how much of a plan you make for your life, there's going to be, you know, yields in the road, right, of where you're looking to go, and you either mm-hmm. can curl up in a ball and go into a corner mm-hmm. of your bedroom and just stay there forever, or it's like, you know, you just, you, you got to meet things and how you experience them and happen, and yours was, yours was just a magical, you know, kind of example of what to do, and I, I can't imagine how hard it was to work and overcome a drunk driver um, accident. So bad there, but look at you. Um, Let's talk Mm -hmm. a little bit before we go to our sponsor break. Talk about now with Merrill Lynch. I mean, you've been there how long? And, you know, for you, it's like what coming into that situation of, like, doing all that, you know, persistence and, you know, studying and everything like that, what do you feel as a woman to watch award winner that really has been kind of central to your success as you've been with Merrill Lynch, doing all the wonderful things you have done, stepping up to opportunity, you know. I, I mean, share with our listeners because you are, and, and if you don't mind sharing your age so our listeners know, you are definitely a young, fabulous leader. So what have been your keys to success as, as you see it? And what's your age, girl? Yes, thank you, Michelle. So I am 29, um, and I think, some of my keys to success have been um, just the that relentless pursuit of success. It's just something that I always strive to. I always, and it couldn't be a good and a bad thing. I'm always striving to achieve my next goal that lately I've had to take a few steps back and 
take some time to celebrate the goal that I achieved before moving on to the next one. So definitely just staying hungry. That is just, I would say, key to regardless of the industry that you're in, you always have to stay hungry. Um, in the industry that I'm in, you also, it's always about learning. I am constantly learning something new. Every single day I'm reading articles, I am listening to CNBC, I am reading up on research and analyst opinions. I'm always learning. And then three, really just not being able, not being afraid to speak up, whether that's because I have a question or because I have a suggestion. Um, I kid you not, I, when I first started at Merrill, I was like, okay, Tony, you have to speak your mind, even if your voice shakes a little <laughs> bit, but you have to speak your mind because too many times I would leave you. a room or I would, I would leave a meeting and I was like, I should have said that. Or it came up later where I was like, oh, why didn't we think of that? I'm like, well, I did think of that. I just didn't say it. You know, the worst thing that you can happen is that you can hear a no or you could be wrong. Big deal. Move on. Um, it happens. You I know, I think that. hearing... Can I jump in there on one thing? So let me jump in on one thing because I love that. I wish more women would understand. And I I have a tip for that with you is that, you know, when I was young, I had a really great mentor in banking. And he said, when you're in doubt and you want to be more visible, he goes, learn, you know, everybody says we as women should learn to speak up. And it's like I went Mm -hmm. through that too. And one of my mentors in banking said, it doesn't matter. He goes, just ask a question. Like, ask a question that's on the topic for more clarification, a little more insight. What do people think? And he goes, the power of a question will give you that same visibility without you having to have the answer on something or feel the pressure. And I was like, what great advice. You know, we don't have to have all those answers. But anyway, back to you, because I thought that was a perfect example. We do need to speak up. But I know there's so many ways women can learn how to speak up. And I'm curious for you, like in that, did you just have it intrinsically or did you learn from somebody else or a mentor and how to do that? Is it just you being you, which I'm guessing is yes. Yeah. So I think I I learned the hard way by walking out of so many meetings or phone calls or uh, presentations and, you know, having that regret that I should have said that or what would have happened if I said this or, um, you know, I, after having that, those experiencing that feeling of regret so often, I said I would rather experience the regret that I said it than I didn't say it. So um, that's kind of nice. how I just, I just that's how I kind of got into the groove of saying, okay, regardless of what it is, I'm going to speak my mind. Um, and I think it is a very female-oriented feeling, you know. Men, not mm-hmm. in a bad way, but they have absolutely no shame in speaking their mind, good or wrong. So why do we? <laughs> <laughs> whether whether it's good information or not, they just do. Or they talk over women. Exactly. I mean, we could have a whole, we could have a whole um, day show on that, right? It's like they just talk <laughs> yeah. over. And I've learned to get in there. And what, what do you do if you're talked over in a meeting? I'm really curious. Like, do you have a strategy of what you do when, when a guy talks over you or, you know, you, don't, you aren't heard, so uh, to speak, in a meeting? I, I mean, I... I try to always be very professional and just kind of kill them with kindness. I usually just say, as I was saying, or thank you, but before I was Ooh. interrupted, um, you know, and just to make it clear that I was speaking um, and I let you finish, now I'm going to continue. But just to kind of acknowledge your interruption and then I'm going to proceed. I love it. I love it. And something else you said, I want to do this question before we take a quick sponsor break. But you had said earlier when you were saying some of your keys to success, you mentioned that it's about staying hungry. 
Like, what does that, mm-hmm. share a little bit more about that. What does that mean so our listeners can understand? Because I love that phrase, but what does it mean to you in staying hungry? It's, you know, I recently, for the past two years, um, mainly more since COVID started, I got into the habit of actually writing out and my goals and then creating a vision board. Um, it helped me really outline my goals. And when I was able to check off one of them, I knew that there was another one there. And it kept me motivated to say, to not be complacent and to say, there's more and remember why you want this. So I think mm. have, having a goal just in itself and having a measurable goal is a good way to keep yourself motivated. And if not motivated, disciplined as to why you're going to continue to put in the work day to day, even on the days that you don't really feel like it because you have that goal front and center for you. What, and can I ask? It's like, because this, you know, again, I get so many great ideas. They've just been like hearing your keys to success, right, and how you do it. But how, how do you make the – first of all, two things. One, that vision board, do you actually – so many people do vision boards. Do you, you write down your goals that match with your vision board? I haven't heard people do that before. Is that what you do? Yes, I do. So I have my vision board that sits on my wall since I'm working from home. I actually have two vision boards. They're, they look the same. One of them sits on my wall at the desk that I work at home. And then the other one sits in my planner so that I can see it anywhere that I go and if I take my planner with me. Also, I also have a written set of goals that are the same goals that I'm seeing on my vision board. But in writing, I actually break down how I'm going to achieve that goal. So if I have a goal to do something by the end of the year, I know that every month I have to do this. That means that every week I have to do this and every day, um, you know, equivalently, I have to do that in order to get to that goal by the end of the year. So it keeps it front wow. and center. and. It- and it keeps it digestible because I know that so long as I do this every week or every month or every day, I can get there. And then I don't have to worry about feeling overwhelmed or feeling like it's not in, it's not accomplishable. Um, I know I just need to take it one day or one week at a time. And especially now with COVID, sometimes it feels like I don't even know what day it is anymore. So I know oh, yeah. as long as I do right. this done, as long as I get this task done for the week or for the month, I'm still on track and I'm still okay. I love that. You know, it's funny because I did a vision board this year, and I try to do one every year, but 2020 I didn't, and the last one I did mm-hmm. was 2019. But the funny part was, you know, everybody I said, oh, do your vision board and, and cut out magazine articles. I'm like, no, there's, there's like, so many great places where you can get images, and I did a digital version this year. But mm-hmm. the key for me was I couldn't even think out for the year. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I only did for the first quarter. Like, that's the first, this is the first time, and I'm more jazzed about that because I, I kept it more short-term. But going back to what you said, I think what a great tip. I've not heard anybody ever say before, put the same, make it, make it match with your vision board in writing so it's almost like a checkoff list and, and then you can move forward. So I love that. Thanks for that. Um, we're going to take a quick sponsor break. And when I come back, I want to talk to you about that wonderful word that you did that so many people hate as women in business, and that is discipline. Mm -hmm. I love that word, and I want to hear (laughs) 
more about your discipline. So hang on, and then we're going to say thank you to a sponsor. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be San Diego's largest private nonprofit university founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. So thank you for your support, National University, and thank you to all of our sponsors and our partners. And Tanya, I am now back to you, our amazing leading lady today, an award-winning ladies, um, let's talk about this wonderful word that, you know, repels people or excites people, and that is the word discipline. Because you mentioned that's something that you kind of stick with. So what is, you know, kind of your, I don't know, not definition, but what, what is discipline to you, and, and how do you make sure you stay on that, on that track with discipline? Yeah, I think for me, discipline has become more of a habit. So I've learned my way of being productive and I've learned to accommodate like my emotions and what's going on relative to the rest of my life and my personal life at work to kind of create my schedule around how I feel and also at the same time, like what needs to get done. Um, I learned definitely the hard way that you can be as motivated as you want. You can have the best vision board ever. You can have 10 vision boards. You can write out all your goals. If you don't actually execute on anything that you say you're going to do, um, it doesn't really matter <laughs> what goals you have set. For yeah. Yourself. Right. And then pretty picture, right? Oh, how nice. But, doesn't do anything for you. Exactly. And and motivation is very spark like. Like you you tend we tend to get like surges of like motivation and you get started and then later on you don't really feel like it and then you kinda of stop. So that fine line between like motivation and discipline, it's kinda of like the motivation gets you started and the discipline keeps you going. And it's on the days where you don't feel like doing it and on the days where you don't feel good and you don't want to do this or you just want to lay on the couch and watch Netflix, those are the days where actually doing the tasks like going to the gym or reading, those are the days where it actually feels the most, you feel the most satisfaction from actually completing the task. When you're motivated, you wow. know and that you're going to do it. But when you're not, it's like, it oh, I'm so glad that I did, even if I didn't feel like it. I love that. I mean, I think all of us right now, because, you know, with COVID, and I, I'm curious with you how COVID, you know, did an impact on you, because you're a, you're a gal that goes into the office, but, you know, it has really knocked anything we had of, like, a daily discipline, right? I mean, whatever we're motivated mm -hmm. to do, I'm just curious for you, like, did you stay the course? Do you feel like so many of us, and I'm going to put myself in there, that I really got off on a, on a lane that I, I was not excited about from COVID. It's like, you know, health, wellness. It's like the, the discipline I had pre-COVID was all screwed up during COVID. I'm, I'm curious for you, did you hold that together or was that a struggle for you as well? Because you were in a different office environment. Like, kind of share how did discipline change or did you hold back to it during COVID and we're still in it? 
How are you sticking with yeah, it? Yeah, no, I definitely was affected by the the whole COVID situation. I I think it's a little bit unrealistic to expect, you know, 100% discipline 100% of the time, especially when so many things are changing all at once. And COVID didn't just change, like, the work environment. There was this underlying fear of, like, getting sick or underlying fear of, you know, a bunch of other things happening. So, I had to go from working in an office to working in my room with my nephews that were six and um, sorry, five and seven at the time, and it was just a hot mess. And I kind of can I tell you, I remember that. I I, yeah, I totally yeah. remember that when you were on our virtual meetings, and you're like, "Oh, I'm sorry for the noise," and we're like, "What is that?" And you're like, "Oh, it's my nephews." And I was like, "Oh my yeah. god, totally get it." We we've seen all the family members, all the four-legged fur babies that are on the virtual meetings, but anyway, keep going because that was, that's so funny. You're right. You know, you had a lot going on there in the, in the family unit. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was very frustrated and it was very difficult for me to get back into the groove of things and to have a routine and to have the discipline just to get the basic things done because I was just so focused on, oh my God, I can't believe I'm at home. Oh my God, I can't believe I went to office. Oh my God, my nephews won't shut up. And then I was like, okay, like, I think, like, towards the end of the year, I'm like, okay, this is definitely not going away. Uh, either you continue to complain and bitch and whine about everything that everybody else is going through, not just you, or you figure out what works. And that's when kind of I was like, okay, I have to figure out, just like I had a routine in the office, I have to create a routine at home. So, and then right. I now that I look back, I think, wow, if I would have just, like, kicked my ass my own ass a little bit sooner I would have been a lot more productive during the year but I was so busy complaining and annoyed and um you know just looking at the bad situation and the most negative aspect possible but I didn't realize that this meant oh I don't have to commute anymore or I have more time to do this or more time to do that and I just wasted time because of my own attitude yeah no it's that's fabulous I mean I think all of us you know, because I, I, I know through our association, which you are a wonderful part of, that the conversation, you know, recently has been just how we're all so COVID fatigued, right? We're just weary mm-hmm. of of not getting through this. And again, it's out of our control, right? You know, we can be angry about right. it, whatever, and we can go play that mind game all day long. But I think for you, you know, because you are a very positive person, it's like, how did you stay the course? Like, was it just something internal as a piece for you or... You know, like for me, like I, I have to say the thing that kept me somewhat disciplined was the the group and the organization that I lead and interacting with the members who I wanted to see in person. Like, you know, people talk all day long. It's like, oh, Michelle, thanks for keeping CWI together and all this. And I'm like, I almost cry because honestly, it's like for me, Tanya, it was like members inspired me because I was losing mm-hmm. my stuff during COVID. You know what I mean? But, you know, never let them see you sweat, all that. What kind of held you together you know I mean even now like right now we're in a situation where the stock market is going crazy and I know we're not giving any stock advice or anything but you've uh-huh. got to stay strong for your your clients and things like that how do you you know when everything's whirly dirling around you how do you keep kind of the right mindset for you on um, the eye on the prize 
Yeah, you know, during COVID, it was seated. The virtual events for CWI were always something that I looked forward to, especially the happy hours. I love those. It was nice to interact. And just <laughs> we had one of... last night that you missed, but that's okay. We're all right. Yeah. Anyway, hope we'll get it was you back, nice I hope. It was nice to interact with others. And, you know, sometimes you just need a good venting session, and they were, they were great. Um, other yeah. than that, I, I have to say that the thing that always keeps me the most grounded and level-headed is reading. Um, I am huge on personal growth and self-help books. And if there's one thing that has gotten me out of the most difficult situations in life, both, you know, physical and emotional recovery and, and even grief, it has been books. And finding the books that can kind of kick your ass through the page or through a screen, if you have a Kindle, I think is literally life-changing. Yeah. Do you do audiobooks or is it strictly the, the Kindle version, like the, the written words? You know, I do on, on digital. Books. I, I love going into Barnes and Noble and just reading synopses oh. and saying, Oh, I like this or I do, I love Barnes yeah. and Noble trips. <laughs> That's so funny because I used to do that with a neighbor and I we would be there six hours. And literally, yeah, those, right? you know, you'd have to, like, get there early so you could get them. And this was, again, pre-COVID, right? But you'd get those, you know, clubby chairs, and you'd look around, and I'd come mm-hmm. out with, like, 10 books that I bought. But, you know, everybody has their thing. I think that's why I love Kindle, because I, I basically got rid of all paper books, and everything for me is on yeah. Kindle because they work so well. But I think that's a great you know, key to success. Like in our one minute left, I'm going to hop and say, you know, how do you see the future? Like I'm really curious for you to kind of describe, I know you're a go-getter, you know, we recognize you as a woman to watch, and you are, and I do say that you are an old soul, and, you know, I just look at it and go, man, at 29, you just got a lot in front of you. Like, what what do the next few years look like for Tanya, and what can you do to inspire our listeners, and I think it's possible from you. Yeah, I think, thank you, Michelle. I think in the next couple of years, are you asking me, like, personally, what do I see for myself? Yeah, just like the future for you. Like, I mean, you know, if you can, you don't have to share everything, you know what I mean? Because, you know, we're not looking for that. But just how do you see the future as we come out of COVID for you? It's like you're back to being remote working. I mean, are you going to try to build a team around you? It's like, are you thinking, hey, it's like, because you just got married, too, last year, full disclosure, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's exciting mm-hmm. during COVID. I'm sure that wasn't fun as we were trying to open up. But, you know, or it's like, how do you see the future? How, what, what insight can you share with other women, you know, for the future? Give us maybe just more motivational than how you see the future for you. I can do both. So for my oh, own, great. For, personally, I, my goal is to ultimately have my own firm where I focus on Instead of or in conjunction with asset management, where I focus a lot on education and just educating business owners, and I love working with women. So, you know, my goal is to have that niche in women and in working with women and educating them around money, not just investing. Even though investing would be a primary focus, it would be just best money management and um also a lot of psychology of money because I feel like part of the reason that women aren't super hands-on with money is because of that psychological factor and I if I can help be the bridge to 
get women women to be more hands-on with their money and to kind of take control of what their money does, then uh, that's definitely my goal in the future. Like I said, if I can have my firm where I can be a lot more hands-on and have a lot more freedom than what I do now with my bigger firm, that is for sure my goal. As far as well, what I see in the future, yeah. for others and just society in general, you know, I definitely see women taking the forefront of a lot more industries and a lot more businesses. I think for a lot of women, COVID was a blessing in disguise. They didn't see it at the time when they were at home and maybe they still are and with the kids. And now a lot of women have realized, hey, I can be at home and hey, I have ideas and I have all of these resources that I can utilize to be my own boss and, and do my own thing. And I see women, more women now on social media and that are posting, you know, their businesses and their ideas and they're, and they're educating others and inspiring others. And I think that as more time goes on, there's definitely going to, there's not going to be that issue of there isn't any women leaders or there isn't any women CEOs. I think we are, taking the reins and we're taking the business world by storm and I, I can't wait to see it. Oh, wow. Can I just say drop the mic, man? Yes. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it is, it, it is, it is exciting and frustrating all at the same time, which is a really interesting dynamic. So you are amazing. I know for sure I want to have you back and talk more about financial literacy for women. And then I know somehow we're going to like for our listeners, you guys won't know about this, but you will, but I want to wrangle you, Tanya, to get involved with us for our Sue Rising, which are those young teenagers that we want to help educate, you know, on just the money, the mindset of money, money management and all that. Because, you know, they don't get that memo in school, which is right. sad, you know. I saw Junior Achievement is doing that, but, my gosh, if I would have I, – I was just lucky I worked in banking. That's where I got it. And if I hadn't, I think I would have had a horrible, you know, situation with money management so well done girl thank you for being our leading lady today that is our show can you believe it Tanya will you come back to be a guest with of us course. one more time or two it's more so times much or... fun. I love it I would definitely it, it is back. fun and it is fun to our listeners I mean again I hope you guys will go and you know look up Tanya for us her Sue Talk that's on our Sue Talk YouTube channel so it's Sue Talk um Tanya, you're amazing. To our listeners, I just want to say thank you so much for being so loyal. You know, we are climbing to almost 2 million listeners. I've decided over that. We're an international show. Um, so we are here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific time for both. And we are growing rapidly to a daily show. So log in there. You can go to womenleadradio.com or listen to any subscription services after our show is a podcast. And to that, I say please have a good weekend, and what I love, Tanya, that is a wrap-up of this is to say please go out and be supportive of other women. It really will change things for us as female leaders. So thank you, and have an awesome weekend. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business, executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.